series today. And I really thought it would be so appropriate after starting the year with toxic emotions and encouraging us to behold Jesus and singing the song. We didn't sing it today, but beholding Jesus and fixing our eyes on him. He really is the solution to all of life's challenges. And that includes dealing with our toxic emotions. I thought, what better way to jump off of that than to go through a gospel? Uh, So it's a bit of a Baptist thing to do, to go through a book of the Bible, but that's all right. Um, Anyone been in a Baptist church before? Yeah, there you go, there's a few, so you can relate. So we're going to go through, and I chose to go through the Gospel of John. And I'll tell you why um, in just a moment. But this could take me, I don't know, till Jesus comes back to go through the Gospel of John. But we'll see how we go. I don't want to rush through it because there's just some great life lessons to learn by learning about Jesus. Don't you agree? And this church is all about Jesus. So if you've recently joined us and you want to know who our cornerstone is, uh, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Everything that we do, the way we live, um, the decisions that we make, we, we, we do it with the help of, of Jesus and his Holy Spirit and God. It's the triune nature of, of God. So we're going to study John together. I did send a text out. Did everyone get my text? So I told you like a portion to read. How good's that? So like you're prepared now, presuming you've read it. Um, if you didn't get a text, it means you're not on my text list and you need to let me know so I can put you on. So it might mean that you, we haven't maybe had you connect online or whatever. Um, I don't want to badger people that don't want to be badgered. So if you ever get a text and you're like, oh, I've had enough of this, go away, um, Jeremy. Just, just reply and say stop or whatever and I'll leave you alone. Uh, but I'll text you each week uh, what portion of John we're going to go through the coming Sunday. So, so why study, John? I mean, when a person's life uh, generates a lot of interest, you know, biographies are written by the plenty. And, and that's what the Bible really is. The first four books of the New Testament are about Jesus. They're, they're his biography. They're not conclusive as in they don't have every single skerrick of information about him. And, and John has a verse um, like that. In fact, let's read it. John Um, chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 says and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written the ones that were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name and so the book of John is one of those first four books in the New Testament The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, they're what's called, and I might get a bit educational here and some of you might like that, some of you might be like, what? They're called synoptic Gospels and so they're similar in content and approach but John, the fourth book, doesn't cover as many events but includes more of Jesus' teaching and that's why I've chosen to go through the book of John because I think if we're going to behold Jesus, I want to glean from his teaching, I want to glean from you know, what he taught his disciples. And I think there's a lot we can get out of that. So while the book of John focuses on Jesus' life, it's, it's not exhaustive, as the scripture just said. Uh, but it doesn't tell everything there is to know about Jesus, but it begins in the beginning, just like uh, Genesis. Uh, with, in the beginning, it's talking about Jesus' relationship with God the Father. And then unlike the other Gospels, John skips the details of Jesus' birth, but goes right to his public ministry. And to prove Jesus is the Son of God, John selects a few uh, miracles 
from the many that Jesus performed um, that are related uh, to his main teaching so that we can glean from him. So who wrote the Gospel of John? That's, that's probably the easiest question you're going to get asked all day. Uh, who wrote the Gospel of John? John, of course. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Let's talk about John, though, just for a second. John was the son... Oh, no, it was a hard question. Some of you are struggling. It's all right. John is the son of Zebedee and Salome and brother of James, and he was a fisherman uh, on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called him as one of the first disciples. That's who John is. He was one of the inner circle of the three disciples who were privileged to be with Jesus for certain events throughout his ministry. And thus he was an eyewitness to the events and teachings that he wrote about. And John was called um, the disciple that Jesus loved. You've probably read that and noticed that before. Um, He was an intimate friend of Jesus and the one who leaned on Jesus' breast at the last Passover um, just before Jesus died. So he was very close to Jesus. And he was also the one Jesus asked to take care of his mother after he died. Um, John apparently had a temper... Because him and his brother, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. So if you've got a temper, there's hope for you. Because John was a son of thunder and look what happened to him. He turned out all right. He was also selfish. He was ambitious. uh, All those things. But later he was known as the apostle of love because he wrote, um, if you've read 1 John, because he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. um, 1 John talks about that quality of love. John was a thinker and he focused on the big picture. It's the kind of person that he was. He preferred to deal with abstract stuff, abstract terms, rather than with actions like, say, Mark dealt with actions. Throughout this gospel, John emphasised uh, some contrasts like belief and unbelief. He compares those things. He contrasts light and darkness. And we've already touched on um, Jesus being the light today. Um, so light and darkness, love and hatred. He contrasts those. He also highlighted symbols like the time that Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, And he does that for a reason. He wants you to know that Jesus is the Lord, that he is the Christ. Um, So John um, wrote, uh, next to Paul, he wrote a majority of the New Testament, writing the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He also wrote Revelation. Um, And he penned this Gospel of John around 85, 90 AD uh, and the oldest manuscript that they can find was only a few years after it was originally written. So that just tells us that what's in there is accurate. Um, Historians will measure a a book based on how long from when something was written to when the last manuscript, like the first manuscript, can be found. And the Bible just outguns most historical books. That's just for the edumacated people. They know that. That's how they rate the authenticity of the writing. Uh, And so it's only a few years gap. So that's a good thing. So let's uh, talk about um, what the Gospel of John is about. Um, There it is. What is the Gospel of John about? So uh, there's four main themes you'll find through the Gospel. And I'm just covering off all this as a platform and we won't do this every week because I'm falling asleep. No, I'm not falling asleep. Uh, It talks about existence. So Jesus' existence before he was born on earth. Our finite minds struggle with that because we think Jesus came when he was born as a baby. But Jesus was actually there in the beginning because our God is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
And he's always been like that because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And so at the beginning of time, Jesus was there with the Father. So it's existence. It's talking about miracles. Um, And so the power of God at work through the Son, Jesus. And we're going to read about and glean from and just get excited about the miracles that Jesus did and how that can apply for us today. Uh, Also his teaching. It talks about Jesus' private teaching with his disciples And then lastly, as all the Gospels do, the death and resurrection, because it's a key component of our faith, isn't it? That Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. Praise the Lord. And that's how we can live a free life. Uh, And then there's three parts the way the Gospel of John is laid out. Uh, And the first part, it talks about Jesus' public ministry, chapters 1 to 12. Part 2 is Jesus' private ministry, chapters 13 to 18. And then part three is Jesus' death and resurrection, covered by chapters 19, 20, and 21. So, uh, to lay the foundation for the beginning of John, because as I've already said, it starts in the beginning, I want us to just watch this video about uh, the book of Genesis and in the beginning there. So just have a look at the screen. Let's turn the sound up too, if it's... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then God separated the water and the sky. He formed the seas and the land. Then he covered the land with trees and plants. creatures of the ground. And then he made us. To live in paradise. Don't you love they chose a Scottish person (laughs) to, to narrate that video? I just think of Braveheart. But anyway, that's That's another movie. Cool. So Jesus, the Word. Chapter 1 talks about Jesus being the Word. So imagine you're in a room. Well, we're in a room. (laughs) But imagine you're in a room with no light or sound. We could turn all the lights off and stuff, but we won't do that. Uh, So just imagine. You might want to close your eyes and imagine this. It's up to you. But you're in a room with no light or sound. You put your hand in front of your eyes and you wriggle your fingers, but you see nothing and you hear nothing. Then suddenly someone turns on a light and you see you're standing in the middle of a room 
as big as a football stadium. That's big. Everywhere you look, there's diamonds, there's gold coins, there's jewels, there's priceless treasures. They cover the floor all around you. They're packed into the corners and right to the ceiling. What an incredible sight that would be, going from seeing nothing to then seeing that. Well, that would just be wondrous. But when God created the world, he did something infinitely more wondrous than even that. You know, filling a stadium with gold and jewels is one thing, but he filled void with life. Where there was once void, there was life. Where once there was chaos, now spinning galaxies swirled into being. And where once there was darkness, now there was light. Where once there was deadness, now there was life. More creatures than you could imagine and human beings too. But before all that creation, there was only God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's where the Apostle John begins this book about Jesus, long before Jesus was born. And John wasted no time in introducing his readers to Jesus. He got to right to the point and shared Jesus from beginning to end in his book. So let's get started. We're going to read the first couple of verses of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, John was a gutsy writer. He didn't hold back. He didn't sort of sugarcoat what he was writing. He began his book with an amazing statement. He, his early readers would have been familiar with the scripture from Genesis and would have recognized those opening words, as we do, I think, today. The first book in the Bible, Genesis, begins with the same phrase, but the book introduces, and this is Genesis, introduces creation of the world and man. But what John does is he introduces the creator. He introduces us to the creator. The word... Um, reference, uh, references Jesus. It refers to Jesus. And we'll discover later in this chapter more about that. The Greek word logos, who's heard, you've heard logos. The Greek word logos, translated word, means the spoken word that communicates meaning or message. So Jesus communicates to us what God is like. His actions, thoughts, feelings, his attitudes, everything that Jesus does, the characteristics that he held communicates to us what God is like. And Jesus was in the beginning with God. And unlike us, he always existed. Again, challenging to get our minds around when we often concentrate on his birth into the world as a human. So he's always existed. His life didn't begin when he was born as a baby on earth. He began in the beginning. And the word with indicates a personal relationship between two or more people. So in other words, they're both God. They're not two different gods. Some people get confused about all that. It's one God, three expressions, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I like this quote I'm going to read to you. Um, Lawrence O. Richards was the most prominent and prolific Christian um, education and writer in evangelical circles during the last half of the 20th century. And this is what he said. In Greek philosophical thought, Logos was used of the rational principle 
or mind that ruled the universe. In Hebrew thought, the word of God was his active self-expression, and that's what I love. That revelation of himself to humanity through with a, which a person not only receives truth about God, but meets God face to face. That's what I love about God expressing himself as Jesus, because we can literally meet him face to face. We, can, we can't, Jesus is not alive now on this earth as a human. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. But we can read about him as we're going to do through the Gospel of John. And we can learn about him, his characteristics, how he responded, what he did. And that can speak to us how we live our lives. And so I want to encourage you to get to know your Saviour through this series. See, Jesus gave up his home in heaven. He could have... do you think it would be comfortable up there? I think so. When we, when we, that's our ultimate destination. It's going to be awesome. But Jesus gave up his home in heaven and face-to-face company with God so that he could come to earth to show us what God was like. What a sacrifice. And we think of the sacrifices he gave his life on the cross. And yes, that's a sacrifice. But think back. He was there in the beginning in heaven with God. He's chosen to leave that place because he loved you so much that he wanted to come and show you God in the flesh. He traded a place where everything is perfect for one where sin and suffering are prevalent. That was a huge move for Jesus to come and, and, and such a sacrifice. So John 1 verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Uh, God is our ultimate creator. He's made everything. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus was God's agent in creating everything. Light, darkness, sky, water, you know, land, vegetation, sun, moon, stars, animals, fish, birds, people, everything. Everything that's in the world. Even before he was born as a human, he showed us what God was like through creation. Any of you wake up in the morning and you just look outside, I don't know what kind of properties you live in, but you just look at creation and you're just reminded of the goodness of God. How incredible he is. How beautiful the world is that we live in. You know, from creation we can see that God is creative. He's orderly. There's an order. There's day, there's night, there's all of that. It's not chaos. We make the world chaos. (laughs) And God is powerful. God is powerful. The book of Genesis begins by describing God's creation of the world, but John says um, here that Jesus made everything. We don't know all the details of how the Godhead works. Our finite minds literally can't comprehend one thing being three things. We can say we get it, but still it's a mystery really, isn't it? If if we knew how it worked, uh, we'd be God. (laughs) So nobody's God in this church, right? If you are, there's a church down the road for you. Uh, but we're not God here. We don't understand completely. You know, we do know that John's statement makes Jesus equal with God, the way he says it. A fact that caused a lot of trouble for Jesus during his time walking on the planet here. So let's move to John 1, verses 4 and 5. And it says this In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it 
I love that. Darkness cannot comprehend the light. See, Jesus is life and light. He's our source. You hear a lot of the world, and maybe it's the new age thing talking about, let's spread light, let's, you know, but Jesus is the light. We give him credit. Jesus not only showed us God in the creation of the world, he also showed us God in the creation of living creatures and people. Life, both physical and spiritual, originates in Jesus. Everything that was made was made by him. Being through him, God made his power and purpose known to his people. You know, light also originates in Jesus. He is the center of light. That's where it came. He created it. So he is light. The purpose of light is to banish darkness. That's pretty simple, isn't it? When John used the terms light and darkness, he's referring to good and evil, to holiness and sin. Then Jesus, who is morally pure, meaning he was sinless, and we know that, became God's light in a spiritually dark world full of sin and evil behavior, thoughts and attitudes that were evil. Jesus came, and he's the light. People in the world resisted the spiritual light Jesus brought, partly because they didn't understand it. They didn't comprehend it. When they did catch a glimpse of understanding, they saw that they had done bad things, and they didn't like that feeling. It's called conviction. (laughs) No one likes feeling that, do you? You're just like, oh, it's just a bad feeling that you're convicted. I've done the wrong thing. But that's what the light does. The light shines on the darkness. And when it does, it's uncomfortable because it needs to be dealt with. But we can't deal with it ourselves. We need Jesus to deal with our faults and our sin and the things we've done wrong. You know, although sin and darkness are powerful, they can't overcome or conquer Jesus. They never can. Jesus' light is far more stronger, far more powerful than any darkness that would come against it. And it's not about the size. You could be in that football stadium you were in earlier, complete darkness, and someone could be in the back bleacher and they light a match and that light overcomes all of that darkness because you'll see it. You'll see it. Imagine a scenario where you're lost in a forest. Who likes being lost? Who gets lost? I get lost. (laughs) Praise the Lord for Google Maps. But you're in a forest, you're lost. It's a... It's a cloudy night. There's no moonlight, so it's pitch black. You don't have your smartphone to use as a flashlight either. Sorry, people. No flashlight from your, from your mobile phone. It's so dark you cannot see the hand in front of your face, just like before in the stadium, but there's simply no, no light to be found, and as you're wandering through this dark forest, you've now travelled so far that you've forgotten which direction you came from, so you are lost. Suddenly off in the distance appears a man making his way through the forest with his torch. Knowing that he may be able to help you, you carefully make your way to him. Upon meeting the man with the torch, he instructs you that he's very familiar with the forest and that he's able to help you navigate out of the forest back to your house. Praise the Lord! All that you need to do is follow him. And as he shines his light for you to see, you make your way. The question I want to ask you is, will you follow this man, who you don't even know, who's able to lead you with his light, or will you continue to walk in the dark, though you know that the man with the light could most likely lead you home? 
So it is with our walk with Christ, isn't it? Our knowledge of light will do us no good. We can know about the light, but unless we follow the light, unless we walk in the light of God, we don't live the Christian life. We've got to make a choice. Jesus came in the flesh so that men might have revelation and come out of ignorance, which is darkness, because ignorance is the place where we don't know about God, we don't know, we don't believe, we don't have faith, we don't trust because we don't know. So that's ignorance, that's a dark place. And then coming into knowledge, which is light. So when someone comes to you with the knowledge of Christ, they're like that man with the torch coming towards you in the darkness, offering you a way out of the dark forest. But do we choose to follow him? I'm talking mainly to the converted here because most of us have given our hearts to the Lord, but this is the picture of the world. The world is in a dark forest and we are the carriers of the torch and we can walk into that dark place and offer to lead people home. But the question is, will the people trust in and follow the light? It's a challenge, isn't it? See, John traces the themes of life and light throughout his book. To John, life means more than physical well-being. It's more than that. It has a spiritual dimension about it. It has a spiritual dimension enabling a believer to live abundantly in this life and to be sure of resurrection with God at death. So when John uses light, he focuses on spiritual understanding and guidance. That's what he's talking about. Let's read uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. It says this. Uh, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he's talking about of what was to come. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So the John talked about up here is the witness. It's not actually John who wrote the Gospel of John. It's John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. He's not the author of this book, but God chose this John for a specific ministry to prepare the Jewish people for Jesus' coming. He was declaring that one is coming, greater than I. He was preparing the Jewish people for Jesus and pointing them to Jesus. His job was to identify Jesus to the people as the light, to introduce him to the Jewish people and to get them ready for his ministry. He was preparing them for Jesus' coming. John preached that The time for the long-awaited promised Messiah who was written about in the Hebrew Scriptures had come. The time has come. He also called the people to repentance from their sins. His goal was to encourage them to trust Jesus for salvation from their sin. Is that not the mission that we continue with today? Encouraging people to trust Jesus, the light, to get them out of that dark forest to the place where God would have them go. The light John testified about was Jesus who gives light to every man as the true light. He reveals people's sin. And so, again, Jesus wasn't accepted by the majority because conviction. Oh, I don't like that feeling. That's not nice. Don't want to feel like that. Here's what I like. John drew attention to Jesus, not himself. 
He could have been there. And I mean, you see, I'm not going to name ministries or anything like that, but straight away your mind goes somewhere when I say there are ministries out there where it's all about the figurehead, the person running it, the person, you know, it's all about give to my thing and follow me. And, you know, we need to be, as pastors and, and leaders, pointing people to Jesus. It's not about Anita and I here. I mean, we love it here. We, we appreciate that you support us. But we're not doing our job unless we're pointing you to Jesus every single time we gather. And that's why every Sunday you'll hear us talk about him. We're not going to get into the fluffy, nice-feeling messages and, and all of that. I mean, they're, they're all great, but does it point people to Jesus? Or does it point people to a warm fuzzy? Well, I'll leave that there. <laughs> Some of my peers now. What are you going on about? We've got to be pointing people to Jesus. That's my job. And I, and I pray I'm, I, that I do that, and Anita and I together do that to the best of our ability. Uh, so John drew attention to Jesus and not himself. That's what we want to do here. Uh, it's just the opposite of the world, really, isn't it? The world is all about, look at me, look at what I'm doing, follow me. We want to be sure that people notice us. You know, we want to take the credit to be the star, to be the center of attention. That's what the world wants. But not John here. That wasn't him. Instead, he wanted people to notice Jesus, who is far more important. And he said it. There's one greater than me. I'm not even going to be able to lace his sandals. That's how incredible Jesus is. Let's move on to John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. It says this. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So I'm talking about that in light of the feeling of conviction. So I don't want to receive that. Who do you think you are? That was the response from many. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. To those who believe, believe. Notice it's highlighted. Believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, Jesus became a man and lived in our world, God with skin on. And although he created humans, the people of his day didn't know who he was. They didn't know him. They didn't have him as a friend. They didn't have a relationship with him because they were blinded by sin. So they didn't see See, we can look back. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? We can read about Jesus coming and we go, yeah, of course he's the Messiah. Of course he's... But the time when Jesus came, the people didn't see it. Many didn't see it because they were blinded. So they didn't believe he was the promised Messiah from God. There are still people today that subscribe to that thought. That he's not the Messiah, that someone's still coming. Jesus went to his own things, his own home. Remember, in the beginning... He was the ultimate creator. So Jesus comes to the very thing that he created. And it was his. But within the world, Jesus chose to become a Jew. He, he, he could have been anything, couldn't he? He chose to become a Jew. But sadly, leaders of the Jewish nation and many of his own Jewish people, as well as the Gentiles, rejected him instead of welcoming him. Who do you think you are? The son of God? By whose authority? So they didn't believe He was the promised Messiah from God. Jesus went to his own place and was rejected. Wow. They did not believe he was the Messiah whom God had promised to them. 
And although most of the Jewish people rejected Jesus, some received him. It wasn't all bad news. Some received him. They trusted him as the sacrifice for sin. And as a result, they became God's children. Isn't that what we are today? We've received and accepted and we believe in Jesus. And we've become God's children. To use the phrase that Jesus used later in this book, they were born again. We're born again. In this passage, John equates believing with receiving. Belief is more than mental assent. It's more than that. There's so much more to it than that. No one automatically or naturally belongs to God. We're all created by God, but we're also created with this thing called a free will. It's a nasty thing, isn't it? But it's what makes us unique. Imagine if we were all robots without free will and we all just did the same thing, went to the same places. What a boring world that would be. Now, I know free will can be used for evil purposes as well and make bad choices and turn away from God and all those things. But I'm just so glad we're all unique and we get to make a choice. But we've got to make a good choice. You know, the relationship with God doesn't result from being Jewish or being a Christian even, being brought up in a Christian family. It can help, but that's not what you lean on. You know, it doesn't rely on you being Russian, Australian, whatever nationality you're from, doesn't matter. We don't become children of God because of who our parents are. You know, my kids, Melody and Timothy, eventually have to make a choice for themselves that they love Jesus. And that's when their relationship with God fully blooms and blossoms. And it needs to move from that place of, well, mum and dad say we have to do this, this is, we go to church, that's what we do, to this is what I'm meant to do. And that comes whenever it comes. We have to make a choice to receive and accept and believe in Jesus. And going through this gospel, I just pray that people watching online at home, maybe you share these messages with people that need to learn about who Jesus is. You're welcome to. They all get uploaded to our website. But I'm just believing for people to meet Jesus because we're focusing on him. We want to believe for souls to be saved in this place. The chairs that are left still are space for new believers to join the church. So invite people. Bring them along. Promise them it won't be boring. We've had a laugh today. You know, we, just, we love each other's company and it's not a boring place. But bring people along and they will hear about Jesus and have the opportunity to receive him. Can we have a look at the screen just as I've come to a close?
you missed the words, there's a bunch of words on there. I'm going to read it to you now. It says, I came to earth. This is Jesus. I came to earth so you would know my love for you. Took on flesh so you could know me. But my presence would only be revealed to those who sought after me. The humble, the outsider, the seeker. My name is Emmanuel and I am the living God who comes to dwell with you. I've sought after you and longed for you before the foundation of the world. There is rest, healing and blessing in me. Hunger for me. Desire me. Seek and you will find me. Wow. We have an opportunity to accept Jesus today. And many of us in this room have done that before. But Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, there's that word again, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We need saving because we can never satisfy God's law. We can't meet the standard. No matter how hard we try, no matter how good a person we think we are, we have broken God's law. And we need a saviour to come and do what we cannot do. And so as you bow your heads in this place today, I want to encourage you to consider your own salvation, your own, your own imperfection, because that's what we are. We're an imperfect breed. We, we, we can't live life in a way that pleases God in our own strength, which is why we need a saviour and his name's Jesus. And so if you're at home watching online, watching this after the event today, all the people in this place, I want us to ask ourselves, is Jesus the Lord of every part of my life? Not just the bits that I let him in, your entire life. Is he your saviour? And so in a moment, I'm going to ask people that have never surrendered their life to Jesus to lift up their hands. I'm also going to ask people that want to recommit, rededicate their life because you've done it before, but you know you've gone away from God. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand. And we as a church want to pray together, confess our faith in Jesus together, believe in Jesus together, and make him our Lord and Savior. So if that's you and you want to be included in our prayer today, it's not a magic prayer, but it's confessing and believing in the Lord Jesus. And I'd encourage you to do that today. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hand, just where you are right now. If you're at home, lift up your hand in your living room, wherever you are. And, you know, Jesus sees your hand. Jesus sees your hand. Fantastic. Let's all pray this prayer together because we all love Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. Say it after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came. God with skin on. I'm confessing now that you are my Lord and my Saviour. I thank you that you forgive me for all the poor choices I've ever made. I believe in you. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I'm now a Christian. Every part of my life belongs to you. And I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise and thank Him? God is good. And we're just at the start of this journey. I hope you're going to enjoy it. 
It's a little different, but I think there's going to be something powerful as we journey through this gospel together, that Jesus is going to impart something into each and every one of us that perhaps wasn't essentially there before. Perhaps it was something that is sitting there waiting to be birthed, and Jesus is going to come, he's going to touch it. And we're going, to, we're going to see souls saved. We're going to see people coming. It's no coincidence we're doing this and we're doing our evangelism course on Thursday nights and bless the ones coming to that. We're having a great time going through that together. But there's no coincidence that we're doing all of this because I believe it's part of God's plan for this church. So we're going to see increase. Can you believe for it with us? Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Let me pray God's blessing on you. Lord, bless your church. May his blessing keep us, sustain us, lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, this week into every opportunity that we face, everything that we do. Father God, we trust you. We trust your presence in our lives. Be with us in our hearts and in our homes. Provide in every way and lead us throughout this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed.